Our meditation for this 15th Sunday after Trinity is on our Gospel reading. Hear the word of our Lord from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 6th chapter, beginning in the 24th verse. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But first, Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel reading starts with this famous saying, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. How are we to understand this? By being aware that money is an idol to many, and our Lord Christ tells us we must not worship or serve it like we would worship and serve the true God. But how can money be an idol when there are no intentional temples, you might ask? Pastor, let's get real, you might be thinking. You do not see people literally praying to the cash in their wallet. No one stands in front of an altar and sacrifices cattle to a golden coin. Correct. Yet even though there is no organized and self-proclaimed religion surrounding money, Christ says that you are capable of worshipping it. How does this work? Beloved, it turns out that idolatry is an inward thing before it is an outward thing. In the large catechism, Luther writes, A god means that from which we are to expect all good, and to which we are to take refuge in all distress. So that to have a god is nothing else than to trust and believe him from the whole heart. And with today's reading, our Savior says, that we must have only one God, the true God. 
We all know the slogan regarding our salvation, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are not saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ and money, or Christ and family, or Christ and sex, not even Christ and church. Our Savior does not share room on his throne for anything or anyone else. He does not accept competition. If you put your trust in two masters, you end up only trusting in one. Much in this same way, the Roman doctrine of justification by faith plus works ends up being justification by works alone. Trusting in Jesus plus an idol for our salvation ends up being trusting the idol alone. On Judgment Day, no one who worshipped both Christ and his girlfriend will live eternally. No one standing before the judgment seat of our Lord will be saved by trying to put money next to him. We must worship God alone and trust Christ alone, and ultimately all of our service must be for him only. This is most certainly true. I imagine you have heard all this many times before. This is nothing new, is it? We've been warned about the idolatry of this and the idolatry of that. It is the drum the church has beaten endlessly against all other religions and all sins. And truly, our witness is accurate most of the time, but we have taken it too far recently. But often the church beats this drum so loudly that we forget that the competition speaks as well. Idolatry comes from our needs and our desires. They whisper in our ears and gradually get louder until they scream. For example, there must be more money. There must be more money. There must be more money. The church can tell everyone that money is an idol every minute and every hour, but that means nothing when the bills pile up, the retirement account is in danger, Christmas is around the corner, and inflation means presents for the kids are harder to get. When you work those extra hours to make that tough car payment that you had to get to make the commute to the job you needed, you cannot hear the church's drum under the scream, There must be more money! It is the same with any other need or desire. A lonely man will not hear the call for purity or solus Christus. He earnestly desires a woman, a wife, a future, as it were. His flesh calls out for it. His heart makes him weep as he sleeps alone in an empty and silent room. When we tell such a man that he should not make an idol out of obtaining a wife, he cannot hear us. All he hears is the voice under the drumbeat, now hostile, that tells him the church wants him alone and miserable. Our Lord Jesus, being far wiser than us ministers, does not stay at the anti-idolatry drum and beat it until his hands are bruised. Yes, of course, he condemns idolatry in the inward man, telling us to worship and serve God alone, but he does not stay there. 
Instead, he addresses the voice of our needs and the anxiety it produces within us. It is not the anxiety we know of in the modern world, by the way. Instead, he speaks of being pulled apart in one's inner being or torn to pieces over competing priorities. Again, it is not the general anxiety that we know of today. What our Lord speaks of is the worrying effect that comes from serving two masters. The divided man has faith in two masters, so he cannot move forward. He is like the one who doubts, double-minded and unstable. Our Savior connects idolatry and the soul-dividing kind of anxiety, likely because idols make terrible gods that are never satisfied. If you go after money, the voice telling you that you must get more money will continue. If you search after sex, it will never be quite enough and your lust will always return. When our Lord Jesus tells us no one can serve two masters and therefore I tell you do not be anxious, he is instructing us to quiet the voice that tempts us to chase after these things like they are gods. Shush that voice. Make it still, for it cannot do a single good thing for you. Our Lord Jesus tells us not to be anxious. And immediately we ask him, how? How shall we stop this feeling when this voice of our needs shouts in our ears? Isn't anxiety nothing more than an emotion? It does not sound reasonable to just ask someone to stop feeling their feelings. After all, emotions are a good thing given to us by our Lord, and he tells us in most places to control our feelings and help others. With anger, the Bible says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. When it comes to sadness, we are told to comfort those who mourn. But anxiety? He simply tells us to stop it, saying, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. This is not just a one-off comment either. Philippians 4, 6 tells us not to be anxious for anything either. In other words, this thing we call anxiety? Forbidden. And with these words, ironically, it terrifies and worries us. By telling us not to be anxious, we are immediately tempted to feel anxious. What a mess we find ourselves in if we do not listen carefully to Christ's words. How do we silence our anxiety? Our Savior points to faith as the answer, saying, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? As he reassures us that our Heavenly Father loves and cares for us, he tells us to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, which we can only do and receive by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Are you anxious about how those bills will be repaid? Have faith in the Lord. 
Are you lonely, wondering when the time will come to wed? Have faith in the Lord. It is that simple. Remember how he has provided for you in the past. Thank him for it and humbly wait on him for further provision. This is the essence of give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. We must also recognize that this is not just head knowledge when we speak of seeking the kingdom and seeking righteousness through faith. Christ wants us to be aware of God's provisions in the very moment. Our Heavenly Father sees us. He loves us. And how does he show his love for us? Well, every day by feeding us, clothing us, giving us shelter, giving us families, blessing us with the things we enjoy. Every day, every hour, he watches over us and gives us what we need. Maybe not what we want. And certainly the sins of men get in the way of things working smoothly, but he demonstrates his love for us every single day. You and I may not be the most comfortable with our living situation or our living conditions, but behold, we are alive and well enough to be going through this sermon together. It is not just that God will provide for us. God is providing for us. The question is, do we remind ourselves of that? Have we been reassured of his care for us by recognizing how much he does in each and every one of our lives? For that matter, if our worry is not about external things, but more internal anxieties like not being good enough, not being likable or skilled at our work, do we remind ourselves that God says we are precious to him? Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Are you not of more value than they? This motivation he has, providing for us and showing us his care all the time, is on account of the great value he places on each human soul. If you remind yourself daily of this care he has for you, I seriously doubt that the soul-dividing anxiety we feel can survive for long. Now, before anyone accuses Jesus of encouraging laziness, it is true that his analogies, the birds, the lilies, might confuse us. Birds still have to fly. They have to fly around looking for food. Flowers must still absorb nutrients and sunlight and grow and conditions must be right. So, too, are we called by God to do things, save our resources, and live normal human lives. Christ is not throwing out the entire book of Proverbs here. But the point of his message is, we are to do these things while confident in our Heavenly Father's provisions for us. In a spirit of gratitude and love for the one who loved us first, we walk without fear. Now the peace of God, free from all anxiety, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.